When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. For most people, debt is a bad word, but it can make you rich if you know how to use it. And it's not rocket science either. I mean, it's how most rich people got rich, and you can do it too. And I'm going to show you how. You ready? Let's go. Welcome to the all-new Epic Real Estate Investing Show, the longest-running real estate investing podcast on the interwebs. Your source for housing market updates, creative investing strategies, and everything else you need to retire early. Some audio may be pulled from our weekly videos and may require visual support. To get the full premium experience, check out Epic Real Estate's YouTube channel, epicrei.tv. If you want to make money in real estate, sit tight and stay tuned. If you want to go far, share this with a friend. If you want to go fast, go to reiace.com. Here's Matt. Lots of people will tell you how to get out of debt, like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and Chris Hogan and, and just about every personal finance authority you see interviewed on TV. Yet very few will show you how to use debt instead. And this is unfortunate, particularly for people who aspire for more than mediocrity, meaning a focus of getting out of debt is a defensive play one that will significantly slow your personal journey to your riches. Eliminating debt, it fits in snugly with the saving money and sacrificing and living below your means type of advice, all of which center around a lack of understanding of how money works. But really, mostly people are just kind of scared to use it. The idea that you must get out of debt to be rich or even just moderately successful is a lie. And sadly, it's accepted as an unequivocal truth. Those that tell you to get out of debt believe debt is bad for you and that you don't have the wherewithal to manage it correctly. They're saying you lack financial know-how, and I don't know, maybe that's the case. For now, stand by and we're going to change that. The truth is, the wealthiest of society carry a lot of debt, and the realization of that can feel, I don't know, counterintuitive. But when you understand what they use debt for, it makes a whole lot more sense. You know, few people will argue with you that your money should work for you. And you can certainly get rich this way. But we only have so much of our own money to put to work. When we get other people's money to work for you, you can get wealthy because there's no limit to other people's money. And for most wealthy people, that's exactly what they did. Because they don't use debt on cars and vacations or shopping sprees. That's bad debt. But rather, they use it to buy assets that more than make up for the debt that they carry. That's good debt. And it's the income and the gains from those assets that pays for their cars, their vacations and shopping sprees. And during times of rampant inflation, like we're experiencing at the moment, knowing how to use debt is critical right now to not just building your wealth, but preserving it. And for two reasons. One, you're limited to the return your own money can generate. For example, if your mutual fund is on track this year for a 6% return, an 8% inflation rate nets your returns to negative 2%. If you're not earning more than 8% in your investment portfolio right now, you're losing money. Number two, 
as inflation eats up your investment returns and the purchasing power of your dollar, it does the same thing to the money that you borrow. So would you rather inflation destroy your money or the money you borrowed? Exactly. So it makes sense to learn how to use someone else's money. In other words, borrow money to buy your assets, doesn't it? A simple example of using debt to make money might look like this. You borrow $100 from John at 6% interest and you loan that $100 to Joan at 12% interest. Joan pays you each month $1 to cover the interest on the money that she borrowed from you. And then you, in return, pay John each month 50 cents to cover the interest on the money you borrowed from him. Now you've got 50 cents left over and that's yours to keep. You just made money by borrowing money. Now, 50 cents is nothing to get excited over, but we could easily add a few zeros to the numbers, couldn't we? And now you're making an extra $500 per month or $5,000 per month or $50,000. That's how it works. The sky's the limit. Now, a more realistic way might look something like this. Let's say you take out a home equity line of credit on your house for say $100,000 and your interest rate is 5% and you invest it in an index fund in the stock market of which historically has produced an 8% annual return. You're earning about $667 per month from your index fund while paying $416 per month on your home equity loan. Your wealth is growing by $251 per month and over a 10 year period, you're looking at an extra $30,000 added to your net worth for doing nothing else than moving money from your house to an index fund and then waiting. Here's another example of using debt to create wealth that's a little bit more exciting and not surprisingly, much more common, like borrowing money from a bank to purchase a single family income property. We'll say this house has a value of $100,000 and rents for $1,000 per month. Now, these types of houses are readily available at cashflowsavvy.com, by the way. So if we did what Dave Ramsey suggests, paying cash for this house, you could expect a conservative return of 3% in annual appreciation, which would give you $3,000 at the end of the year. After deducting about 40% from the rent you're collecting, you should expect about a 7% return on your cash flow and about a 1% return in depreciation. That's the tax benefits the IRS gives us for owning real estate. So a total annual yield of 11%. Not terrible. You're staying ahead of inflation at least. Now, if you were to purchase the same house in the way that I suggest, by putting down 20% and borrowing the rest using the exact same numbers, your annual profit and appreciation would be about 15%. Your cash flow would bump up to about 9%, your depreciation 5%, and then you get two bonuses, a return in amortization of about 1%. This is the return you get from your tenant paying down the money that you borrowed. And this number, it actually gets bigger the longer you own the property. It's kind of small in the first years, but it gets really big later on. And then the inflation-induced destruction of the money that you borrowed of 32%. Yep. See, inflation, it's a bad thing when it comes to your money, but it pays well when it's someone else's money used to buy your assets. So a total annual yield of 30%, 62% if you add the return on inflation. Some people may want to challenge me on this math, so I'll just kind of put that off to the side. But it's real. You can count on it. So with this house, you get an 11% return on your investment by avoiding debt. You get a 30% return at least by using it. So under which scenario would your wealth increase faster? Not to mention how quickly could you get started if you only needed a $20,000 down payment versus the whole $100,000? If you had $100,000 to originally invest, you could purchase four additional houses that are all yielding 30% versus the one house at 11%. And it gets better. 
Using the equity of one house after a couple years of appreciation to borrow against, you could buy more and then repeat the process. Bad debt makes you poorer, such as credit card debt and car loans, stuff like that. I agree with Dave and Susie on this. Good debt makes you richer, such as a loan for an investment property or equipment for your business or education that teaches you how to use debt properly or teaches you how to invest and or run a business. And whether you're borrowing money to relend it, borrowing money from your HELOC to put it into the stock market or borrowing from a bank to buy an income property, it's not the investment choice that makes good debt good. It's the educated investor that does. And now you've got some insight. You're a little bit more educated. That's the first piece of the puzzle, understanding how it works. The second piece is learning how to find good deals that cover the costs of the money that you're borrowing while leaving some leftover for you, that being your cash flow. This is where Mercedes and I focused in the beginning, just finding good deals and then concerning ourselves with the money later. And what we quickly learned was that once we found a good deal and put it under contract, it was really easy for us to prove to potential lenders how they would make money by lending to us. And so they did. And so we got started with really small, just $50,000 houses in, in Illinois and in Tennessee, Ohio and Indianapolis. And then we moved to bigger properties in Alabama, Missouri and Nevada. And now we're moving to even bigger ones. And you can check in with cashflowsavvy.com if you'd like them to find today's best deals for you. Or if you'd like to do it yourself, answer a few short questions at reiace.com and then we can hop on the phone to brainstorm some ideas as to what that might look like for you. We've all been taught to think of debt as a four-letter word, but it doesn't have to be, especially once you have the financial know-how to see how debt can work for you instead of against you. Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. From coast to coast, epic investors are doing the most. It's time for another epic field report. Hey there, epic investors. Welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. This is where we show people how to invest in real estate so they can escape the daily grind and retire early. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different strategies for creating passive income using real estate that a reasonably new real estate investor and private RAA's client has been able to pull off in just the last six months or so. So we're going to talk about how he found them and how he structured his passive income streams. If you're still looking to get that first deal done, or it's been a while since you got the last one, I put together a free training for you. Go to mattsfreetraining.com. If you'd like to go fast, like our guest here today is, how he's doing by working together one-on-one, head over to reiace.com. Answer a few short questions about yourself and your goals, and then you can pick a time for us to hop on the phone and brainstorm some ideas about getting you to where you want to go with your real estate investing. All right. It's all about you. So perfect. So my guest today, I'll just bring him on here. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Willie Booker. Willie, welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Glad you can make it. And uh, you're managing a day job and you're doing your real estate on the side. So uh, I really appreciate you uh, making time for us. I know everyone's going to want to hear how you've been able to do what you've been able to do. So Let's talk about your deals. Let's talk about your passive income. But first, can you tell me what it was that you were trying to accomplish when you found Epic? Were there any challenges, specific problems that you're trying to overcome? I, I would say for me, what I was trying to accomplish was obviously financial independence. But if, if we dig deeper into that, it's having the freedom, option, and choice to make that decision. For me, if I want to be in my nine to five, 
I would love to have that decision if it's suitable for me and my, my family at that point in time. And so for me, that's what I've been chasing is that freedom option and choice. Got it. So what will it mean to you personally, you know, if you're able to get that done? Oh man, it, it'll mean the world to me. I think for me personally, I just operate from a position of fear. So the reason why I even started in real estate investing was because it was at the beginning of COVID and I'm just seeing people do the right things. They're putting money in their 401k. They're going to their nine to five. And when COVID happens, it, it's just the money that they just put away. They just, they don't have control of it. And I didn't want to be in that situation. Right. And also for me, I want to be in a position of being able to take care of my family or my mother, right? There's going to be a point in time where she needs me. And I want to be set financially of when that time comes, okay, mom, what do you need? What do you want? I got you. So it's just being able to get to that point of having some sort of control. Right. We all want to take care of mom, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So you joined the REI ACE program and you also invested in our one-on-one flyout to your market where you had Jeremy, one of our Epic coaches here, come out and work with you in your market for a few days. What did you find most valuable about that experience? Well, I would say what I've learned from the experience is it allowed me to truly understand what it takes to be a, a flipper or the analytical approach that you need to have once you're under contract. And I, I would say that would be something that I, I took away from it with that would be that piece. I remember, I, I, I know you haven't gotten into it, but I came to you uh, about this, where it's when I'm at the seminar and I hear about these different strategies and I termed it as you're going a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And for me, that's what I felt victim to was that piece of it. of like, man, I'm hearing these great strategies. They sound so sexy. Let me mm -hmm. try it. And I want to do, and I got home and I want to do all of it. And it's just life tends to slap you in the face. And it's like, no, well, you ain't doing that today. What I had to do and had to figure out is what was the need that I need to solve for myself? And of course, it's being able to get passive, have passive income. But how can I do that? Do, am I really married to those strategies that will allow me to get to that goal for me? Right. So what I need to accomplish for myself is establish an income floor. So that's why for me, I had to repivot and focus on buying hold for right now so that I can focus on uh, maybe buying properties creatively or being able to flip where I'm able to amplify my cash position so that I can buy more real estate. So it's just thinking about it differently so that I can attack those strategies that I did learn in the seminar from the one-on-one -on -one fly out. Right. Yeah. We're entrepreneurs, right? At heart. And we see all of these different things that we want to do. And we just have these big dreams. We want to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I suffer from the same stuff. And I just have to remind myself to focus on, okay, what's working? Let's go deeper with that and optimize that before we jump ship and try and add something else. Because a lot of times you start chasing all these things and then you kind of lose focus on what was actually working. So great, great lesson. So I guess up to this point, you shared with me via text before we started, what have your biggest wins been so far? My biggest wins up to date is that I have uh, one property in Milwaukee. I have two under contract right now. They're all, all single families. Uh, but again, I found a market that for me is a cash flow play for me. And, uh, I found a market where I can get deep into it and, and have deep connections with my, with my realtor, with my property manager and also the lender. So I, I'm thinking I, for me, I'm developing the relationships to be able to go deep into Milwaukee. That's good. You know, you had mentioned one thing. Um, you did some sort of, uh, you live in, in Seattle, right? There's a, a sort of Washington, Seattle out there. Okay. And uh, you had to do the, the house hacking. 
we'll talk about your rentals in just a sec, but um, mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of people talk about, but I don't think a lot of people actually pull off. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I was reading a bigger pockets book. It was like a house hacking book. The goal for me was to one, purchase the property with cheap debt. So I have the VA loan so I can purchase the property 0% down. But one of the benefits of house hacking is that it reduces one of my most expensive living expenses. So for me in Seattle, my mortgage is over the $3,400 $3, a month. So if I could, if I have a tenant that can pay $2,400, $2, that's making a, a significant chunk. Right, right. And a living expense. So for me, it was an easy decision. So it's just being uncomfortable temporarily for a long-term gain. Nice. So did you, did you purchase that property just through traditional means then? Yep. It was on MLS through a realtor. I bought it in an area that is up and coming. It's near a light rail station. So for me, I tend to purchase property there, properties that are near light rail stations or some structure that's going to be there for a while. Um, so it typically speaking, when those structures are there for a while, the, the value tends to hold. So right. that for me, that was my logic and that's, that's how I approached it. Perfect. So you've got a, a rent, one rental already in Milwaukee. How did you find that first one, the one that you closed and you actually own? It was through the realtor. He set me up on a search. Yeah, I just kind of took away what Jeremy showed me. Like he has like his, this tracker and you have to do it every day. Like the numbers of like, here's your cash on cash, here's the rents, here's the cash flow. And I just tracked it every single day. And I had a, I had an understanding of, huh, okay, yeah, that's my deal. Let me go tackle it. And um, that's how I approached it. The second one, it was off market. The ones that are under contract right now, they're they're off market. Got it. And and you found those through marketing efforts. Which ones? No, no it's it's through the realtor. Oh, through the realtor. Okay. So you've been able to create the relationship and kind of leverage their efforts, their connections, and that's how you've been able to pull your deals together. Right. Yeah. Super. All right. So that first one, what is that producing right now? So the rents on the first one is not fifty. Rough give give or take the mortgage is around mortgage is four four twenty four so I'm I'm cash flowing around three sixty one a month. Okay, so you got the three sixty one, and then you've got the house hacking thing about another what twenty six hundred bucks, twenty five hundred bucks, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So they're very good, and then uh, you got two more under contract. So what are your plans for those? Same thing. Yeah, it's by I'm I'm just buy and hold for right now. So here's my plan. And here's, and just kind of go back what I said before, just focus on one strategy at a time yep. is that for me, if I go deep into buying and out of state markets, for me, I'm able to create a, a system that yep. will allow it, allow this strategy to feed upon itself, meaning that I'll have the cash flow to buy even more real estate, or even I could leverage the equity to go to a bank and get a secure line of credit and buy even more properties. But the, the goal for me would be to do a 1031 exchange into probably an apartment building and mm -hmm. just then use the cash flow from the apartment building to go buy more properties out of state in like these duplexes or, or single sure. family and, and rinse and repeat for okay. me. That's what I'm thinking. It sounds good in my head, but right mm -hmm. now it's just acquire these properties and just getting singles and doubles. That's the game right. right now. Just get momentum, get confidence and just keep moving. That's how you win the world series, right? Singles and doubles. <laughs> Perfect. So, I know people are probably thinking, how how are you acquiring these properties? How are you paying for them? It's a number of ways. Traditional means? Yeah, you can say that. I'll say it's traditional. So I've, I've used some of my cash to, to purchase the deals. 
I've also leveraged my assets. So I leverage, I have a whole life insurance policy that I would, I would leverage the cash value to, to take out a policy loan to, for a down payment. Right. So um, like an infinite banking strategy then. Yeah. It's infinite nice. banking. So I've used that. Another one I've used is I would leverage my stocks. I'll do a stock portfolio loan, a margin, margin loan to mm-hmm. purchase property as well. And another strategy that I haven't really used yet is that you could, if you have decent credit, you can go to a bank and get a personal line of credit. These are unsecured lines of credit. So you can leverage that for a down payment. Right. If you're doing it on the personal side, you would have to make sure that it's it's seasoned in your bank account. But you may need to talk with your lender to see how long those funds need to be seasoned in your account. But that money is there for that purpose. Super. They've been really resourceful. I mean, First, we tapped into to the VA loan, right? Second, we tapped into a, a, a cash value life insurance policy using the infinite banking strategy, which is something that I do over here myself. Mm-hmm. And then you went and leveraged some other assets as far as your stocks go, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're leveraging your, your credit score and tapping into to bank lines. Fantastic. And what's nice about all of that, it's all tax-free, right? It's all borrowed money. And hopefully if the powers that be, the current administration don't get their way, it will stay that way. <laughs> but anyway, that's good. So I guess out of all that, you know, while you're working a, uh, a full-time job and you're doing the real estate on the side, what are the most valuable lessons you've learned so far? That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. Just be consistent. I think that's the one thing for a while. I was just so married to to a certain strategy because it sounds so sexy. It'd be good. It'll be good to go to meetups and say, Hey, I'm doing this with an off market seller. It was on creative terms and it's, it sounds great, but it's like, for me, it, it doesn't matter. How I get to the point as long as I get, right. get to get right. there. So for, for me, it's just not being married to an idea and just knowing when to pivot and when not to pivot and just, and just being consistent. I, I think for me, that's what I've been focused on. And it's like, when I came to you, when I had the, when we had our chat, I was like down in the dumps because I was just doing so much at one time and I was just burning both ends of the candle where I'm not great at my, I'm not being a, a good employee, my nine to five. And then I come up after not after five, I'm doing real estate stuff. And it's just, I'm just churning and burning and right. it's not, I'm not seeing the results I need to see. And it's just tough to, to get out of bed every morning or wake up every single day and you're trying to give 100% to your goals and you're not seeing what you need to see. So it's just being able to kind of have the mental fortitude of like, it's, I'm not going to be where Matt is. It's not going to happen overnight. And maybe the reason why it's not happening because I'm not ready for it yet. So these lessons that I'm learning of these trials and tribulations, it's going to make me a better investor. For me, that's what I've kind of taken away from is just embrace the journey. Just embrace the the downfall and and just just be consistent. It's it's like being hit by a pitch. Like for me, when I was playing Little League, I was so afraid of the pitcher because I'm afraid of getting hit and I've never been hit. But once you get hit, it's like, eh, it's not that bad. You ain't throwing that hard. <laughs> so it's like, it's the, it's the same thing. So it's just, yeah. once you go through it, five years from now, I won't even remember this. I won't even remember that this conversation I had with you, like it'd be on the, for- on the forefront of my mind, but it'd be like, eh, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. I've, I've had bigger issues than this. So Sure. It's, it's just because we're going through it right now. That's why it's a big issue, but it's just being consistent at the end of the day. Yep. And uh, to touch on something you said, I mean, first of all, you are ready for it. And <laughs> you said a couple of things that, that leads me to believe that, believe it with absolute conviction. And this is something a lot of people challenge when they come in to investing 
and they're learning how to find off-market deals. They're learning cool little strategies, whether it's acquisition strategies or exit strategies. And here's just a good example. Someone sends out a bunch of yellow letters, right? They're sending out direct mail. And all of a sudden, a realtor calls them up and say, hey, I've got a deal for you. They close on that deal, but they feel like it doesn't count. Like, well, that didn't really come from my direct mail, right? It didn't count. That wasn't a creative strategy. And I can't, it's not really worthy of talking about. But what happens is just by being in, in the mindset and the space and, and exercising that consistency that you become like you're aware. So you did something that caused that realtor to call you because of your consistent activity, right? Yeah. So even though it might not have been directly from your efforts, it happened indirectly a hundred percent because of your efforts. So you're right. It doesn't matter how you get there, just as long as you get there. And if mm-hmm. you're getting it done the way you're doing it right now, then that's good enough. That's exactly what we're doing this for. So congrats on that. What are three things that you liked best about working with Epic? Three things that I like best working with Epic. One is the availability. I've done other masterminds or mentorship programs and the ones that I've been to or, or were a part of, it was more of, it was like one to, to like two or 300. And I just didn't have access to the person who spoke so highly of his or her program. And it, it's just what, what tends to happen is that I, I don't have availability. I can't ask questions. I can't engage the way I want to. So it, it kind of hampers the learning and makes me question of why did I choose this mentorship program in the first place? I would say that would be, for me, that was number one. The difference is that I have access to you and uh, I have access to, to your team as well. If I had a question, someone's answering my question. And it's like, for me, it's, it wraps up the, the learning process for me, even with the calls, it, it helps as well. Number two is it, it would be even these kind of check-ins for me like this. It, I like that we're doing this. I like that you meet with, with students and doing this, but for me, it holds me accountable. Right. Because I'm seeing telling you what I'm doing and it's like, OK, now I got to keep doing it because now someone's watching me. So it gives me an indication that you care at the end of the day. It's not just a, a paycheck to you. And it's like that for me, I can see it. I can sense it. Number three, it's the content. I learned about you on YouTube. You were doing an interview with um, Zach Ginn. He's a wholesaler. But you were talking about creative financing and you talked about it in a way that it wasn't talked about from the masses and that's what grabbed me to to your program and it grabbed me it attracted me to you and when i was going through the the content it's, it's so in-depth there's so much knowledge in there and it ranges from financing it ranges from strategies it's a to z all of it and it's like if you if the thing is if you don't succeed it's because you don't put it in the work or you don't put it in the effort Depending on your goals or strategies, but the, the content is there. It, it's there to put you in a position to be successful. It's not one of those pro, it's not the, the program or the content available. It's not like, Hey, it's good enough. We're just going to package it out and you kind of fill it. You fill in the blanks with the rest. It was very, uh, comprehensive and it was easily understood. And it, I, I would say it was, it was well thought out. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Can you finish this sentence for me? I almost didn't work with Epic because. I almost didn't work with Epic because of me, if mm. that makes sense. I That's think awesome. for me, I'm, I'm my biggest critic of no one's doing this. So it's like for me, where I come from, like nobody's going to be doing the things I'm doing. It's like the rooms that I'm, I'm in, they don't talk about real estate investing. So I get a lot of side eyes when I'm talking about matter. I'm talking about 
the program that I'm in. So it, it was making sure that I got out of my own way so that I'm able to take advantage of the opportunity. And I think the reason why it was almost a possibility of not me doing this is because I couldn't see it. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of people is that if you can't see, you don't believe it. So for me, it's just being able to invest in myself and just take a chance on myself and see what could happen. So, right. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing today. So I know you've got some big goals and now, you know, I'm watching. And so you didn't even want to come on today because you wanted to wait till you had more accomplished. <laughs> but I was like, you got a plenty accomplished. Come and share, but let's stay in touch and we'll check back in a few months and, and see where you're at then. Sound good? Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you All so right, much. Lily, for that. Yep. You bet. You bet. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Likewise. Take care and talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, cool. So um, if you'd like to follow in Willie's footsteps and start building your passive income with real estate, uh, you got two options. You can check out the free training that I created just for you at mattsfreetraining.com or let's talk and customize something special for you just like we did for Willie. Do that at reiace.com. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.